Welcome to The Edge of NFT with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger. The podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side, and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Hey there, NFT Curious listener. Today's episode is one of an incredible series we're sharing from our visit to New York City the first week of November 2021. Keep listening for exclusive access to conversations we had at the NFT NYC convention and Dreamverse, as well as snippets from our run-ins with amazing folks on the street and in parties and private events. You'll hear from the top players in NFT, from Beeple to Gary V, and discover everything in between. These sessions cut right from one hot interview to the next without much chatter in between to give you the feeling of being there and listening in on various conversations. We'll introduce our guests as they enter. Enjoy. Uh, this is Josh, Ethan, Jeff with Edge of NFT. We're honored to be here with, with people at Dreamverse.life. Gonna have an amazing event tonight. How's it? How are you feeling about the opportunity to sort of unveil your amazing creation? Um, sort of in, in live with all these folks celebrating where the industry has gone over the last year. Uh, I think events like this are really important to build communities and um, strengthen communities because I think people just naturally want to experience this stuff together and everybody's been through so much with COVID and like getting back to like meeting people and, and meeting all these people that we've connected with online, I think is, is to me really super important and something that I feel very honored to be, you know, a small part of. You know, I, I just wanted to say really quickly, I so appreciate um, the commitment that you had over the years to create this project. Yeah, uh, personally, I've been inspired by artists like Duke Ellington, you know, uh, Bob Dylan, folks that just like day to day, you know, churned out their art um, in the name of, you know, just making it better through through thick and thin. So um, thanks thanks for creating what you created. Really appreciate it. Thank you, dude. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that. And just, just community at the, at the center of everything that, that you've done uh, pre-NFT and, sure, and what sure. you've brought into the space. Yeah, it's so important to everything that we're doing and uh, really appreciate that. Anything else on the... Um, on anything else on the uh, on the horizon, you know, community-wise, uh, reaching into to your history and, and uh, your creativity. What's what's next? Yeah. So the the sort of like in terms of that, the space that we're building in Charleston with the like um, we're building out a gallery and we're building out like sort of like a event experiential space, um, and I think that's something will be a place to like bring the community together and I think that is something where we're going to have like you know events and, and, and things like that and, and charity dinners and all kinds of different things um, because yeah I feel like that is really like a very important thing and something that you just have a deeper connection when you like meet somebody in, in you know real life and like have a beer with them and like you know hang out take too many edibles with them. <laughs> we're, uh, we're working on an event, uh, LA NFT. <laughs> we're working on an event in LA, LA NFT in February. And I think the most special thing about this week has been 
meeting people we've all known for, for months and, and meeting some of our fans and meeting these amazing artists that we rever like yourself and you know I think that interplay of real life metaverse coming together only strengthens the bonds we all have so um, thanks for being here and yeah. thanks for just doing all the things you've done to uh, progress this movement around sort of Web3 and the creator economy where artists are respected and revered for all the things that they bring to humanity. Yeah, yeah we had Tubador on, on the podcast. Yeah. You know who you need to get? One Bador. One Bador. <laughs> Did you know? Here's a little hot bit of juicy gossip. Tubador. <laughs> Has a twin. Oh yeah, that's right. That's that's named One Bador. So when you see him, ask him about One Bador. <laughs> All right. All right. It's on. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Thank appreciate you. it, man. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Thanks for tolerating all the attention, man. No, no, we appreciate no, everything. Good, good, man. I I'm here again at NYC NFT with Ethan, Janney, my co-host. This is Joshua Krieger. Jeff is out and about networking, having a good time. We're here with Charles Atkins, one of the key folks at Polygon, doing some really amazing stuff on the NFT side, which is, of course, why we're here in New York. And uh, it's been an incredible event. We had a breakfast this morning with Charles and his generous team. And there's a lot of energy in the room, Charles. It's great to see you, man. Yeah, good to see you guys again. So tell us, like, you guys seem to have a massive presence here. You've had events um, all throughout the week. How did this come about? How many folks on the team are on the ground? And um, what have been some of the memorable moments? I'm sure you've seen some folks here in person in real life that you've never met before. Yeah, I mean, you guys especially. Like, I've known about you guys for about six months, and we've talked online quite a bit. Haven't met you guys in person, so that's been really awesome. Uh, Presence kind of came about. We're actually one of the the head sponsors here, so you're going to see us everywhere. We have about 25 team members. Um, here on the ground would have had quite a bit of a bigger presence but the visa issues with coming over from India were pretty pretty difficult to get through um, so most of our North American team and then some people that already had their visas cleared but yeah about t- about two dozen people that's awesome and what, what have been some of the highlights I know there's been some fun parties we've been to some of the events uh, any any highlights to stand out for you yeah, I mean, the speakers have been great the entire time. Uh, the parties have been great. I realized very early on that this was not going to be one where you could party the whole time and still get business done. So uh, a lot of cappuccinos, trying to sleep as much as possible, and then back-to-back meetings. Obviously, you know, Gary V. we got to talk to Tom Billy a little bit. Um, a lot of really big names here, and, I mean, it's been super fun to, to meet all these people. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really great. I totally identify with you. I got like two hours just to hang out in the hotel room. And it was I was in the bed, but I was like publishing content and doing <laughs> I still had to work. But, uh, you know, we'd love to hear more about what's going on at the conference as well. But uh, we know that you guys are doing some really cool stuff with gaming and would love to hear that direction. We've seen a lot of trends going into gaming, Animoca and, and various brands taking full advantage of that. It's a perfect fit. Yeah, that's kind of why, so Polygon Studios is the new kind of gaming-focused arm of Polygon. And so we've, we've been talking to a lot of the major gaming companies. We started a $100 million investment fund that we're really backing people in the gaming space. Um, we hear a lot of people doing the play-to-earn, you know, economies. It's actually 
quite a bit more difficult than people were realizing to manage the economics within gameplay. Um, so a lot of the AAA studios that we've been talking to, they're really taking their time getting into the space. And it's, it's, it's really the first time in history that people in gaming have had to account for speculators coming into their marketplaces. I mean, typically people come, they play the game, they'll, you know, buy skins, they'll buy weapons, and it's a, a one-sided transaction. Now in gaming, you're essentially turning the entire universe into a yard sale. So, you know, I sell you something, you could give it to your friend, you could sell it yourself. And so for the major studios, that's actually a little bit of a hurdle because it it decentralizes their main revenue stream. And they definitely know it's important to be in the space, so they're getting here, but it's taken them quite a bit to, to grow. So we created Polygon Studios to support that, give them development help, give them investment, and also work through our marketing team to make sure that everyone knows about their games. Are there any specific games that you think have done a good job of, of balancing those different tokenomic considerations um, with play to earn on using Polygon or that are coming out that you're excited about? That's a good question. Yeah, I mean, one, yeah, well, I mean, one of the games most people know on Polygon is Zed Run. People play it all the time. A lot of people don't even realize that it's on Polygon, which is pretty cool. Yeah, we've had Roman on the show, talk, and we own a couple horses. Um, you know, I have to say, Purple Elf is actually the second most popular horse on OpenSea. We might have, we might have done a little gamemanship yeah, we there. Rigged the game, but 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 she loves the attention, even though she's only ran one race and and hasn't won yet. I think she's optimistic about her own potential as well. Oh my gosh, that's funny. Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, there's, there's people in the space. So some of the creators that created World of Warcraft are like digging into the space. They're figuring out those economies. You know, back then they they had their gold farming. Gold farming lasted five to seven years, and then it became botted. So what a lot of these gaming studios are looking for is instead of doing a play to earn economy. And I mean, you've even seen with Axie Infinity, they've had to change the gameplay to keep the SLP token from going to zero. To, I mean, essentially. Um, so they've changed that gameplay, and I think that's where a lot of the gaming studios are going to have to adjust, is changing the gameplay along the way. Um, but a lot of them are focused on more now create-to-earn, more so than play-to-earn. So create-to-earn is essentially, you have some mechanics in the game where 80% um, of humans can do it, 0% of bots can do it, and then you have an, a create-to-earn economy more so than just kind of a grind mechanic where you can earn tokens. I love that. And we're, we're so excited about, you know, the creator economy and, and just how NFTs are showing us that this is really emerging. I remember, you know, hearing people talk about the emergence of the creator economy as much as 10, 15 years ago. And I, I'm a creator. I was so excited about it. It's been slow. And then now we have a hockey stick, right? That's really cool. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, you were you were sharing with us earlier some of the interesting enterprise cases for NFTs and and you know obviously gaming is is a great use case music another great use case but I think that there's so many interesting enterprise and, and brand use cases that have come up in conversation during this week and that you guys are focused on Can you tell us a little bit more about what you think some of the interesting rising use cases are and, and, and maybe some projects that, that you're incubating in that regard. Yeah, I mean, some of them are just really government contracts. I mean, there's a lot of South American countries that are interested in putting oil transactions on the blockchain as a ledger and using um, NFTs as the bill of lading or the import-export receipt, basically. Um, we're talking to some auto manufacturers who are thinking about moving um, their finance and leasing department and title departments onto the blockchain, which is super interesting as well. And, you know, Polygon's a great choice for them, especially large brands when they're publicly traded. Uh, there's two things. Typically, they can't take custody of crypto, so we have a custody solution. 
and they also typically um, are worried about eco-friendliness. So we're obviously carbon neutral, and if you want to create your contract in a certain way, it can actually be carbon negative. Um, you know, for for whatever project that you're building. Um, obviously, a lot of enterprise brands we work with end up building on our platform, and we don't know about it until later. So Clinique dropped their NFTs. We actually didn't know it till the day it dropped. Um, you know, we've got some other big brands coming out. I, I'll have to refrain from saying who, but um, I, I don't want to be a total, like, pumper on the show right now. But Maddox probably a good choice. <laughs> <laughs> right right on. Yeah. And I know, you know, Mark Cuban's been a fan of, of Polygon for, for quite some time. Um, what, what's it been like working with Mark and, and sort of what has he brought to the table besides just being a, a great guy that sort of um, people respect and respect what, you know, the projects that he respects? Yeah, so Mark actually is the one that told me about Polygons, interestingly enough. Um, so at my, my former company, you know, I had a chance to talk to Mark a lot. He was an investor in that company as well. And, um, you know, he said, the question I asked him that brought up Polygon, I said, are you completely blockchain agnostic? Like, do you just think it's so early that you don't care what blockchain it's on? He said, absolutely not. He goes, I want to know which blockchain is actually building the tools, can pivot quickly and is giving people an entire toolbox to create with. And he's like, you should probably check out Matic and Polygon. And so months passed, months passed, and then all of a sudden a, you know, a Polygon recruiter ended up talking to me, and so I, I talked to Mark about it a little bit, and he's like, you gotta, gotta go, you gotta go work with Polygon. He's like, they're, they're the ones. So um, obviously he's invested in a ton of NFT and blockchain companies. He, he just believes in the space as a whole but he knows that what we're building at Polygon when it comes to an entire tool set, we're not just a blockchain. Like it's a real like holistic scaling solution. If you want privacy, you can pull that lever. If you want speed, you can pull that lever. Um, so we just, we want to be kind of the Home Depot for people to DIY. 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 It's DIY. Like what time in the morning is it? Uh, so yeah, it's, we just want to give people the toolbox to, you know, I think I was telling you guys before, like it's better to be the hardware store than it is to be the hammer company. Like if you just do one thing, like you're going to go around searching for nails to hit, like let's just create an entire store where people can come in and do anything they want to do on our chain. Yeah, that's beautiful. I, I saw, uh, I remember seeing, it was one of the, one of these online summits. I think it was DeFi summit uh, with Mark, Mark actually talking to folks from Polygon. And this interesting thing came up that he was actually a developer himself, I think, early on, you know, and he actually had a lot of chops in, in, in programming and things like this. And so we really had, it was the facility with which he understood this stuff went well beyond him being like a sports fan and a collectibles fan. Yeah, yeah I, I actually asked him, that was one of the questions I go, what's the first NFT you bought? And he said, my own. And I go, well, how, what are you talking about? He goes, I, I didn't buy any at first. He goes, I went actually on Mintable. He goes, I went through like the creation portion of it. He goes, then I learned how to, after he did that, then he learned how to code um, Solidity. Of course. So like, yeah. I mean, that's the one thing I, I totally respect about him is like, he's not in the space as like, hey, this is a cash grab. He learned all of that stuff before he even made his first investment. And it's, he, he truly understands like where to invest in the space, because, but he'll, he'll do it first. He wants to know it. He wants to know it all the way through. But the one thing he told me, you know, I, I just told him in business, I go, you know, what's one piece of advice you just give to everybody? And he's like, no matter what it is you have, just have a good salesperson. He's like, it doesn't matter what where technology goes. He goes, you just have to know how to talk about it. <laughs> so it's, it's funny that, you know, after all this technology talk, it, it comes back to kind of the oldest game in the book is like, 
be good to people, talk to them, and just know how to talk about technology. And he's got all those avenues covered. <laughs> yeah, he's super good at it. Well, all, all that's great. I, I guess I'm, I'm curious, um, you know, you've seen a lot of, of interesting uh, folks this week um, looking at the next year. Is there anything you're just personally excited about, any projects outside of Polygon itself that, that stands out to you and that you see sort of as, as a rising tide in, in the space? Yeah, I'm starting to see a lot of people focus on the actual protocols of making things interoperable, which is going to be super important. I've heard a few people during this conference say, like, oh, I think we're in the AOL stage. And I think we're in the, and it's like, no, not even close. Like, I still think we're in probably like the 1988 phase. Um, like, I'm an old Web1 guy, and between FTP and HTTP, 10 years passed. And it's like, you know, if you're transferring files on FTP and you were to think, like, one day I could code a website myself and have this happen. And, you know, it's just, I can type that website address into any browser and it comes up. Okay, well, what's the protocol for blockchains? It, it shouldn't matter where you build your project. Who's building the interoperable protocol where there can be a blockchain, quote unquote, browser or a blockchain search engine? You know, and we don't all have to be at this conference saying Polygon's the best, Flow is the best, you know, Solana is the best. Build where you feel comfortable and use these interoperable protocols to kind of you know, find the smart contract and find the NFTs where you want to find them. So that kind of works really interesting to me. The other one is like really dynamic APIs, or I'm sorry, dynamic NFTs that are changing with like AI technology. So there's a lot of people starting to use IoT devices to to have dynamic NFTs, or um, they have data feeds that are making the NFTs change with player stats and different things that are happening with the weather. Um, so connecting re those real life events and making the NFT be dynamic and changing over time, those are like really interesting to me. Yeah, I, I had heard this uh, this anecdote that you know early on with computers, there was this guy that had this grand vision of a computer in every town and every city, right? And I think you know that highlights exactly what you're talking about. People are thinking they can't help but think a little bit smaller right now, and they don't even know how much bigger and just more like integrated and. You know, you almost don't even notice it at a certain point, 10, 15, 20 years down the line. I think like one thing, like I'll say to that point and I'll give Mickey from Mickey Marr from Dapper Labs full credit for this quote. But he was saying yesterday when we had a talk, um, he said, you know, when the, the iPhone came out, it you could call and you could text. He goes, but when the iPhone was invented, there was absolutely no way that when those product managers were putting that out, did they ever think, wow, you know, one day we're going to call a stranger on this phone from an app and they're going to pick us up in their car and drive us exactly where we told them to go. He's like, so that's kind of blockchain right now. It's like, we're doing the thing, but like, what's this thing is taking us to the next thing. And like a lot of technologies happen like that when it's first created, it does what it was meant to do. And then you get the creators in the space, the people building on top of the layers. And that's when the crazy stuff starts happening. Well, that's what makes Ethan, Jeff, and I uh, excited to get up every morning and do what we're doing. And that's that's what the Edge of NFT is all about. I think that's a great note on which to uh, let you move on to your next engagement of this uh, busy last yep. day of uh, NYC NFT. Um, we should definitely ask if there's any place uh, you want to send people online specifically uh, before, we, before we head out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of in the industry, since I'm the old guy, um, I go by Gen X a lot. But if you go to onegenx.com, has all my social accounts. There's a, a PDF that 
Uh, you can download about Polygon and Polygon Studios um, and find out more about myself and then what we do here at Polygon. Beautiful. Anything that, Anything else, Josh? No, it sounds like we have to have a more expanded conversation in our future. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get that uh, to our listeners sooner than later. And uh, thanks for uh, hanging out with us, Charles. Enjoy, enjoyed uh, this chat. Yeah, I'll, I'll close on saying I think what you said about, uh, about supporting creators doing things is so magical for me. That's, we're about creation and co-creation. And I love that not only are you supporting creators, but you are those creators and trailblazers creating your own little, your own big piece of the ecosystem, you know? So very exciting to chat with you. Yeah, I think, um, I know you guys are working on some really interesting creator stuff that like gets me super pumped up. And I know you guys will probably talk about it on the show in the future. So anybody listening out there, these guys are, are about to do something big. So keep, keep an eye out. Awesome. Thanks a lot, man. Hi Gary, this is Audrey from the Edge of the NFT podcast. Yes. And I wanted to ask you, what are you excited about in the future of uh, augmented reality? I mean, AR becomes another universe that we get to create and interact. It was the same thing that I you know, thought about from social. It became a new platform for humans to interact. You know, when you think about AR, being in the physical world and seeing digital things come at me, whether through contact lenses in the future or whatever it's going to be, is, is a form conclusion and it's gonna be rad right it's gonna be cool to walk in a forest and see a virtual you know bison and play a game or collect it we already saw it with Pokemon Go we've already seen the future Pokemon Go happened five years ago you had people jumping off the fucking highway running into the woods to find a fucking Pikachu like it's gonna be amazing it's gonna take some time, I think. Chris, um, you know, I, I do think it's gonna to have to get to a place where the friction is very low on the eyes. That's why I always bring up contact lenses. Yeah. That could be 10, 15 years from now. Wow. But I think we'll see it. Well, we're here with Robbie Young, CEO of uh, Animoca Brands North America. Great yeah. to see you again, sir. Good to see Just, you. Just uh, well, talked a couple weeks ago on the podcast, but yeah. uh, now live and in person for the first time. We actually all exist beyond the metaverse. Believe yes. it or not. <laughs> well, you know. There has to be another life somewhere. <laughs> and Robbie, hey Robbie, you were sharing that this is your first time in a New York City hotel, right? Because it you is. Had, you had some family here. It okay. is. I, I grew up actually in the suburbs of New York. So yeah, historically, I've always just stayed with family. So it's kind of strange to be in what I still consider to be my hometown, but staying in a hotel. Right. Nice. Which suburb were you, were you in? Uh, in Connecticut, in Greenwich. Oh, okay. Very yeah. cool. Very cool. Nice. Well, this is the first time we've been together in person, actually, as well. Yes. <laughs> yes. Us three in one spot. So. I, yeah, I've been with josh in la but uh but yeah jeff jeff is uh, yeah. first time i'm meeting him fantastic so I, I think that's one of the interesting things about the the time and place of, of this event that compelled you to to fly over to the mm-hmm. states and i think you had to go through some rigmarole yeah. to get here right a little bit a little bit well luckily i'm an american passport holder so i could get in because i can tell you you know in the london nft community there's a lot of very upset people that you know the, the green light was given a week from now as opposed to as opposed wow. to this week. Um, so a lot of people had tickets to come and and in fact some of my friends have organized an NFT London event for this weekend, which they literally put together on ten days notice because they're like, well, we were all planning to get together. What do we do now? We're stuck. Um, and yeah. so they they're bringing together all the you know Greater London community of NFT people. I heard there's like something about like over 150 satellite events, and I think that's sort of the beauty and spirit of the NFTs is this idea of decentralization. And mm-hmm. even though there's this conference, there's a greater movement here, and just sort of people getting together and talking. 
Definitely. And I think it's just a great excuse because you know everybody's going to be in one place. And so it's a chance for us to kind of, you know, most of the people I'm meeting this week, I, all of them I'm meeting for the first time in real life, including people who in my own company. Right. Um, yeah. uh, but um, yet we've all worked together for years. Um, and I'm not meeting anybody who I haven't met at least over a Zoom call previously. But this is a chance to kind of just, you know, change the relationship by meeting in person like with you guys. Yeah, we're, we're really excited to see where things go. We were talking to a bunch of the Board Ape Yacht Club people and they said, I've been spending the last year talking to these guys online, building these relationships or whatever. And it's like the question is, where does it go from here after this in-person opportunity, you know? Yeah. So it's so, fun. So curious a little bit about like, what is that agenda like that that you that you have for the week? You know, mm -hmm. who, who, who what kind of folks that you can share that you're going to sure. talk to? And what do you think is going to be the power of, of that uh, capacity? Sure. I think it's the fact that everybody's here in town. So some of our existing partners are here. I mean, obviously the people who are now bigger names in the community like Polygon and Dapper and you name it, all the people from the different blockchains and stuff are all here. So that's nice to hang out with people like that. Um, at the same time, other companies that we've invested in are here. Um, other invest investors that we've co-invested in companies with are here. So it's nice to connect with them because often we're sharing ideas and, and you know, interesting projects that we're looking at and, and things that we can work on together. Um, so I think there's, it's, you know, a range of high level meet and greet all the way down to, you know, a working meeting with colleagues. I tell you, we had a great conversation yesterday with uh, Michael Bramlage from mm. Quid. Yeah. So first time we had any real exposure there. And uh, man, so we you, see- So you've met him in person before me then? Well, well we, no, met, we, we did it virtually <laughs> on the queen bed in our hotel room, actually. So not yet. We're going to see him sometime this week. But uh, what a fascinating company and such an interesting collection of digital collectibles yes. that predated yes. really NFTs, you know, and yeah. being able to bridge those on to, to uh, the, the chain and mm -hmm. do so many fun things. It was a really interesting conversation. And he hinted at a pretty robust roadmap that he couldn't quite share with us yet. Yeah. Um, so. Well, it's really exciting because I think he and his team come at it from, they come at it from a very traditional collectibles standpoint, you know baseball cards essentially because that's what tops built their business on yeah and so they think about collectibles as the end product in and of itself not just a vehicle for something else whereas in gaming we're used to thinking about game items as having a secondary use case as being collectible as well so you want to have something exclusive in a game it becomes a collectible because it's rare Whereas he thinks about collectibles for the art of collecting. And so being able to marry those two constituencies together is interesting in thinking of about how we build new products because we want to appeal to all those demographics. People who are collecting for the sake of collecting, people who are collecting because the stuff they collect has more power in the game and they can achieve more or win more or drive faster or kill more dragons or whatever it is. So so it's interesting because you have such a diverse portfolio of, of partners and in, in in, in companies at this point, how do you mesh all that synergy together? What does that look like for, for you? Is Are we talking about like um, some sort of stand-up on some regular basis mm -hmm. or um, that's great. I, I can hear myself better now. There you go. <laughs> um, are we talking about some sort of regular stand-up? Um, you know, how does that ideation and collaboration process look on, sure. on a, on a, or manifest in, in, in sort of a day to day or weekly sure. basis. So I think what happens often is that we 
because we now have a relatively large network, both in-house in our own studios as well as in companies that we've invested in, we feel like it gives us a good sense of being able to problem solve. So we'll work with a new partner. Maybe we'll, you know, we'll license a new sports brand like Formula One or something like that. And then we'll think, okay, we're going to make a game out of this, but what more can we do? Because the thing about NFTs is they're composable. So you can do so many different things with it. And how do we build an ecosystem approach to try to imbue the most value possible into those NFTs, because that's going to make them more desirable to consumers. Because at the end of the day, it's a product that we're trying to sell. Yeah. And how do we create value? We can create value by making a game. We can create value by making those objects collectible. We can create value by um, you know, plugging those objects into DeFi, for example, so that people who come from the crypto community have utility for them. Um, and, and so there are many, many different use cases. And we have because we have all of these partners, we can now find sort of best of breed solutions for all those things. So you know, maybe one partner that we work with says, we want to put all our stuff on Flow. So we need to find people who are expert at flow and where do we find custodial wallets for flow and fiat onboarding and this kind of stuff. Or if it's on Polygon, where is it going to be? If it's on Solana, where, you know, and so we have, that's how we sort of leverage all these partnerships because we have to bring, you know, bring together the band for each particular act to play a different set. Yeah. In a sense, you have uh, partnerships also uh, with, with IP, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you've, uh, acquired IP maybe yes. even many years before anybody else realized that that would be valuable yeah. as did as did your guys' hat brand as well <laughs> yeah <laughs> for for digital uh, patches for your hats and things like that can you talk a little bit about uh, I feel like there's two things I'm curious about about this one can you share any IP mm -hmm. uh, or a hint at that that you kind of have in the vaults mm -hmm. but that could come out soon sure. um, but also like what similar to that decision what decisions are you making now that you think are probably going to pay off in four or five years. You know? Sure. Yeah. I think for us, IP has always been, you know, an inextricably linked with our business. Obviously, there's a reason it's not just Animoca, it's Animoca Brands, mm. because we've always been a brand partner. Mm -hmm. um, and specifically, we've always been a licensee of brands. So we've always created our own original products, but leveraged licensed content that we pay royalties uh, to make use of. So we did that in mobile gaming, and now we do that in blockchain gaming as well. And I think that that IP really resonates with users you know in, in gaming the idea behind ip was it was always a way to um, a channel for user acquisition so when you go to the app store and you see a branded game and a non-branded game and you know nothing about either one you're more likely to download the branded game mm -hmm. it's that straightforward you know when you license garfield garfield has an existing fan base of people who search for garfield games and that's a way of natural discovery in the app stores right um we figured that when we went into blockchain gaming that you know, that historical partnership with IP was going to be an asset for us because we were, you know, when, when you thought about being able to have true digital ownership of stuff, what would people want to own? And we thought the same calculus applies. They're going to want to own branded stuff more so than unbranded stuff. So can we partner with brands to help introduce them to this idea of true digital ownership? Because we think branded stuff will sell. We think people will want to, you know, they, they want to own a branded car in a car game rather than an unbranded car. Um, What's the mix of brands that come to you versus brands that you seek out? Hmm. I'd say at this moment in time, like the last six months, it's about 50-50. Mm. Whereas we used to do a lot more seeking. Yeah. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> and it just makes sense, again, to tap into community. It all comes back to it, right? Yes. If you can start with a, a community that's passionate about a product or a brand or a yes. person and bring them into the fold, right? So much easier to, to bring them into the world of NFTs and everything that they can become. Yes. Uh, rather than starting from scratch, which is possible and lots of people totally are agree. doing it. And, so. and, and you want to look for the more passionate the community, the better. Because as we all know, blockchain is all about communities. And so sports, that's one reason sports projects have been incredibly popular over the last year. And there's a lot of competition to go and license sports IP and partner with sports franchises because sports fans are very popular, yeah. um, uh, are very passionate. But at the same time, um, if you look at a category like science fiction, I mean, if you tap into brands like Star Trek and Doctor Who and, you know, all of these various Dungeons and Dragons, Magic the Gathering, all of these various kinds of science fiction and fantasy brands have incredibly passionate fan bases. Oh, yeah. um, and finding ways to tap into those fan bases and give them products and services that are, in our view, superior to some of the experiences that they've historically had because of the benefit of ownership, um, we think that that's a really powerful message. So. Apart from what we're doing in sports, we're also constantly pursuing a path of working with um, more traditional game companies because there are so many incredible fan communities around traditional game IP too. You know, you think of yes. World of Warcraft and Magic the Gathering and these kind of big franchises where maybe, you know, they've existed for a very long time, but there's not been much new created based on all of that fantastic IP. You know, maybe there was a run of sequels, but but, you know, these days... Those have been largely, you know, left aside, but they still have very passionate communities. Mm -hmm. And so if we can find a way to tap into them. Speaking of in engaged communities, and you mentioned, I think it was World of Warcraft. Uh, I feel like there was a post that Vitalik Buterin made saying that there was some sort of game item that he wanted to have ownership over. And that was like the impetus for creating Ethereum. Well, and as you know, the the, inf the infamous Mount Gox stands for yes. Magic the Gathering. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it, oh, wow. it all started with these kind of online gaming communities. And I think that's right. why, at least for people who are new to the sector, they look at it, and, and I've, I've had this conversation many times where I kind of try to explain what we're doing at the intersection of blockchain and games, and you see the penny drop for them, and they're like, oh, it's, it's like gold farming in World of Warcraft. And that analogy of the, of the gold farming in World of Warcraft is something that they really understand, because that's something that existed historically. And... If there's a way that they can, you know, have those same kind of features and stuff in a in a blockchain game today, then then they get it. Mm -hmm. It makes sense. So let's let's talk about Facebook for a minute. Why yep. not? Right. <laughs> Go um, for it. Big big announcement. Um, I, I had to notice that there were some strong um, crypto market reactions mm -hmm. um, from that announcement. Sandbox had the token value has gone up um, tremendously the last few days. What 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 was the reaction within Animoca Brands to that announcement, and how does that sort of influence your thinking on on the year ahead? Sure, I think from our perspective, it was un it was not not surprising at all. It was just a matter of when. Um, but I think that it only emboldens us to want to move forward more quickly because I think one of the things is that we're you know we've been very very vocal about our support of what we consider to be an open metaverse or, or open platforms and you know we support a multi-chain ecosystem we have projects on lots of different chains and 
the fact that all of this stays open and we continue to build as an open source community on the progress of each other, I think has been the secret to our success so far, what limited success we have had as an industry. And so, in fact, things like, you know, when we look at Facebook's track record of openness, you know, I think honestly, there's been a lot more lip service to openness than there's been actual openness. Mm -hmm. So it concerns us because, um, you know, we see the potential for somebody very large with a lot of resources wanting to kind of put up, you know, moats and, and walls around content and platforms. And that's something that we think actually would be, um, you know, would really destroy the community, frankly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think, I think that's, that's, we're totally on board, I think, with that. And, and we, you know, we, we kind of regrettably talk about Facebook and you talk about them jumping in and making a big, you know, yes. almost in heightening this a sense of urgency for folks that have already been in the space building and growing and things like that. Um, I figure it's interesting to go back to that question I asked earlier, because I think we got, we got mostly the first part, but second part was like, are there things similar uh, where you think other people aren't paying enough attention, but you guys are, and you know, without giving too much away for sure. whatever's kind of, sure. you know, your, your special sauce, but like something that's, that you think's worth paying attention to other people kind of ignoring nowadays. Sure. Yeah. I, I think the important thing, and this relates back to the idea of openness and the multi-chain ecosystem yeah. is there's a lot of talk about the metaverse, mm -hmm. but that's a singular you know, right. term. Um, whereas we think that there are going to be many, many metaverses. And one could argue that any big online community is a metaverse. You know, any big online game, MMO, is a metaverse. And so we don't see why there shouldn't be hundreds of metaverses. Just like in the world, physical world, we have hundreds of countries and thousands of cities inside those countries. And so the sandbox, you know, is one metaverse, Decentraland is another, because these happen to be 3D immersive representations. But frankly, there's no reason that any application you spend a significant amount of time with is not a metaverse. It mm. just may not be in 3D. Yeah. Right. Discord is a metaverse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Zoom, you, just, you make your own little metaverse Absolutely. bubble. Yeah. Absolutely. And so the opportunity to go back to your question over the next five years is building out all those hundreds of metaverses and what are those content categories and those communities going to be some of them are going to be around you know football and basketball and and motorsports some of them are going to be around science fiction properties some of them are going to be around um you know things like like um you know superheroes and anime and you name it and some of them are going to be around more everyday things, you know, pet ownership or, you know, hobbies, who knows, any kind of communities that bring people together. I mean, go, go to Reddit and see what kind of communities exist. So, so in five years, we're at an airport, a busy airport. Is there going to be an opportunity to connect with the people at that airport that are part of the same metaverse as you are and to know who's part of what metaverses? Good question. <laughs> so I think bringing together physical and physical location and metaverse is definitely um it's definitely being experimented with um and in fact you know people a friend of mine in in london built a, a ar uh blockchain game on mobile already four years ago doing the same thing where you essentially participate in battles with people who are in your physical proximity mm -hmm. um so i think that's going to be part of it um super world is trying to layer on top you know ar experiences to build a, a real estate style metaverse layered over the physical world um so there's definitely going to be that um you know we invested in a, a company called suite that does 
activations for creating collectibles based on being at a live event. So when you're at a basketball game, then you know you can capture moments as NFTs of what you just saw while you're there. Mm. Um, so there's going to be a lot of that interaction. And I think the fact that um, we can see NFTs already being widely used, widely, widely within our community, um, as uh, tickets, I think is a big sure. thing. Um, because it's all part of that gaining access to clubs or gaining, you know, hopefully when they get on that plane, as you said, five years from now, they're using an NFT ticket. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and what impact does that have, right? Yeah, I'm excited about Dreamverse and and seeing um, my my ticket turn into living color. <laughs> yeah, should be a really fun event. Um, is there any particular talk or or event that you're you're super excited about, just as a as a fan or um, sure. you know aficionado of the space? Sure. Well, of course, I have to promote our events. So you know, we're Sandbox is having an event tonight, and and then there's Dreamverse also that we're we're partnered with with. Uh, you know, Metacoven on and his uh, Metapurse. So we're quite excited about that. I think, I think that's exciting because also for us, it gives us exposure into the other side of NFTs that have, you know, emerged this year, which is the whole art world, um, which we do have investments in and participation in, but it's a smaller part of what we do relative to games. Um, mm -hmm. So it's, it's nice to connect with that ecosystem too. I mean, the big reveal, right? The, the people piece, um, that's going to be pretty special, I'm sure. Yes, I'm sure there's going to be some some crazy uh, experiential opportunity there that that will blow our minds. So. Yes, yes. Well, and everybody forgets when they when they talk about you know they always think about the price that was paid for it, but they forget that it's actually an amazing piece of art that is so incredibly vast. Mm -hmm. You know, if you were to represent it physically, this thing is the biggest thing. It's like the side of a building, basically. Well, right. we'll, we'll, we'll have a chance to appreciate that in, in real life. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, interesting. I appreciate what you were saying earlier um, about th thinking about what's coming forward. It's actually something I noticed in podcasting. Mm -hmm. um, I would almost call it like a fractalization. And we've heard that in several categories. Like mm -hmm. people will say, oh, people talk about, you know, OpenSea and Rarible. There's going to be so many NFT marketplaces, you know, you won't yes. even be able to count them right and and we've seen that happen even with things like podcasting right like podcasting used to be you know a handful of people isn't now it's like almost everybody has a podcast right and and there's all these different purposes that they can have you know and, and it's a, such an expanding uh, universe full of potential so it's a very interesting trend uh, to to note um as well as some people might call it democratize i've heard i feel like democratization goes mm -hmm. along with that yes giving you know it's just like youtube made a space for every everybody to be able to yes. make videos now everybody could be making metaverses right yeah. yeah and that's absolutely true and i think the thing that's exciting about it going back to the facebook and open platform discussion is to keep it democratized you know so that there's not one company that's in control of the algorithm because i think this idea of one company being in control of the algorithm has had such wide ranging um you know uh, wide ranging impact both on popular culture, politics, society, um, and, and that's one of the unintended consequences of Web 2.0. For all the great things it gave us, it had a lot of unintended consequences as well. And so hopefully we've learned some of the lessons from that, and that will also fuel a greater incentive from the community to keep things open. Mm -hmm. I, I've certainly seen it just in the world of podcasting. We've had some other 
um, podcasters on our show, multiple um, big podcasters, and, and it's just been very open, mm-hmm. right? Um, when whenever we're talking to folks about technology and who else we're talking to, it's it's wide open. Everyone is just wants to have an open conversation and and make things better. Yes, well, and and it's I guess part of part of the nature of what we do because l- everything literally is open. You know, you can look at any one of our our games and you can see who bought everything in the game and what else they own because all wallets are public. Um, And so that's actually quite a fascinating perspective of how you enter as opposed to entering from a position of secrecy and hiding your customer database and everything from day one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, yeah, that is fascinating. Well, I I don't know. I mean, I'm just super pumped. It's amazing to be here with you in real life and uh, glad you can make it to to New York, your your home, your yes. former home. And thank uh, thank you for, for hanging out with us for oh, a little I feel like bit. You're even friendlier in real life than in the metaverse. <laughs> Taller and friendlier. Yeah, great great hair. I've, yeah. I've I've had I've had that a lot. Taller in the in the physical world than in the metaverse. <laughs> well, yeah, well, anyways, it's great to meet you in person. We hope you have a wonderful time. Uh, Fantastic. this week and, and hopefully we'll we'll see some more of each other. Thank you, gentlemen. Really appreciate it. All right, awesome. our pleasure. We hope you've enjoyed this special bonus content from our time in NYC. We've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs for today. Thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventurers on this starship, so invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to iTunes right now, rate us, and say something awesome. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. And don't forget, as a member of the Edge of NFT ecosystem, you're part of a community defined by collaboration and co-creation. Right now, we're giving you a literal opportunity to plant seeds with us and grow deep roots and broad branches together through NFTs. We're breaking ground on our own special NFT collections. Please head over to spiritseeds.xyz to find out more about our collection of only 100 Spirit Seed NFTs that will ever be minted. That's been created in collaboration with NFT influencer Nicole Buffett. And stay tuned to our Discord, found at edgeofnft.com discord, to get the inside scoop on our upcoming Living Tree NFT drop. Between these projects, we aim to plant tens of thousands of trees with you and offset thousands of metric tons of carbon emissions. At the same time, you'll get special access to our giveaways and events, as well as even more opportunities to co-create and collaborate with us. Check out edgeofnft.com slash discord to join our discord and plant your roots within our community now.